Hi, welcome back to Life's Lemonade Unfiltered. We are your hosts, Kiara and Yesenia. And in this space, we're getting unfiltered about life, womanhood, parenthood, and all the other shit in between. So please stay tuned and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at lifeslemonade.unfiltered. We are in business. Yay, there's always something technical and I'm missing my my right-hand woman today. Uh, My partner is is feeling under the weather, so it's just me today. So I'm like feeling an extra layer of, of nerves, I think, because I'm like used to going, hey, like, what you got over there? How are yeah. you? Yeah, I'm good. We could have rescheduled if you wanted to do it with her. Oh, well, totally it was, it, she she really said, "Go ahead and do it. It's your jam." So, <laughs> yeah, awesome. So here we are. Awesome, awesome, cool. I'm just uh, uh closing a few things here. Yeah, we're we recording already. Oh, okay, we're recording. It's, it's all good. It's 45 seconds. I can pause it real quick. Well, welcome, Annette Perry, to Life's Lemonade Unfiltered. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, like I was telling you, my co-host is feeling a little under the weather, so I get to have this beautiful conversation with you. I'm so excited. So I want to tell our listeners, you're an amazing transformational coach. You are co-founder of Training Camp for the Soul. and Founder. Founder, actually. Founder. I thought it yeah. was you and Chris Marhefka, right? Oh, no, no. Did you bring him on? I brought him in and I kicked him out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Where did I miss that in all the following? Oh, hell no. Yeah. Guys. Yeah, I've learned a lot. Yeah. School Knox, the School of Hard Knocks is the best school, isn't it? It is. It is. I'll admit, you know, 2022 was a hell of a year aside from the month that I got married and got engaged. So I want to get right in on really your inner child expert, right? And can you explain what that means for anyone that doesn't know what you would do as an inner child expert? Yeah, to me, calling myself an inner child expert is probably different than what the industry thinks of as inner child. But uh, really, in the past um, 10 years of doing inner child work, or when I discovered uh, my inner child, I've been deeply diving more into uh, understanding not just our inner child as our emotions, but that um, our relationship to what we learned from our parents and unlearning that and having this new relationship of being able to reparent ourselves. So, you know, your inner child being the part of you that now is like another child that you have and you learning how to parent that child in a way that um, you always wanted and needed and maybe did not have. And how, like what led you down this path? Um, Obviously, you were her child and it was it your relationship to your own parents that kind of just like opened this this bubble for you or what what led you down this path of really getting to deep dive into who you are yeah so i'd say ever since i was in my teenage years i my friends always came to me as like the wisdom keeper. Ah. <laughs> and so going to college, I thought about majoring in psychology, but I didn't want the 
eight years of schooling. And um, so I went the route of finance and business instead, only to be led to the world of self-development in my mid-20s. So about 18 years ago. And what led me to that exploration is really just my own um, desire for deeper understanding my relationship with my mother. Mm-hmm. We always butted heads. And so it was a lot more like personal desire, uh, but quickly recognized like, gosh, I love, I love this conversation. I love this exploration. I love diving deep and exploring who we are and why we are the way we are. And so I stayed in it for years. How did you get started? Yeah, that's the Yeah, so Landmark Education was my start. Um, so a lot of their training is around understanding uh, language, understanding the mindset, understanding the stories that we tell ourselves. So that was the beginning of my journey, which was um, great for mindset work. Absolutely. I'd say they are the best at that um, and great at developing leadership and people that know how to be leaders and operate in integrity and really take action on their dreams. Um, what was missing for me in it was the feeling was the like, not that I didn't feel feelings there, but like really understanding that it's not for us to, there's nothing to fix. We're not broken. Um, and that's that a huge, yeah, that's a huge uh, thing that we, I think, all struggle with is thinking that we're broken and that we're all constantly chasing the thing that's going to fix us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And so can you, um, I heard when I first heard you, it was so impactful when you shared about the relationship that you have to your father and your mother and what it means, what each one represents as far as how you see the world. So can you share with our listeners what, what the. Uh, yeah. So um, in my teachings, uh, I've come to learn and understand this. Uh, it was also passed down to me from my mentor who'd been facilitating deep transformational work for 40 years. Um, he's no longer with us on this earth plane, but um, understanding that, Uh, mom and dad each play a particular role in our development. And so looking at like the key areas that we need to be developed in being our self-esteem, our knowing our needs and wants, our boundaries, our limits, our ability to connect, our ability to be responsible for our life. So think of those as like the subjects And then there's the teachers and you have mom, the teacher and dad, the teacher. Um, But how you learn from them, how you see them is different. Mom represents an extension of yourself. And the reason is, and, and you have your mother. So I imagine you've had this experience of how your children relate to you. Absolutely. So the second that they were born and you held them and you said, sweetheart, I'm your mommy. They didn't understand what you were saying, Um, but your energy felt familiar to them. Your voice sounded familiar to them. It sounded like what they've been listening to for nine or so months. And so it feels familiar. It feels like home. It feels like 
their home. And so mom is me. I am mom. There is no separate. Think about when they were connected to you by the umbilical cord, right? So there was literally like that. And so they see you as the role model for what's possible for themselves with themselves. They depend on you in that way. The first few years, they, they need mommy more than daddy. Has that been your experience? Absolutely. I can't tell you how many times my husband has said, like, I can't wait till she wants to, wants me as much as she wants you. You know, it's like I, we have three girls and two with him. And so it's just been the experience that, yeah, for maybe the first three years, they're like uninterested in him. And then all of a sudden they're daddy's girls. But definitely they want mama. Yeah, they want mama. Mama is their nurturance, is their safety, um, and is really their model for everything related to how they see themselves, talk to themselves, think about themselves. And they learn it by what they see, what they hear, and what they feel energetically from you. Oh, that hits like a different place because as you say that, I think of my own mother and how she modeled just living and I could see that she wasn't in touch with herself and she was like the busy person. She was always busy and she was always distracted, like with something, if it wasn't work or the housework. Um, and so I have really emulated a lot of those characteristics where I just like, I'm go, 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 go. And my husband's just like, can you just chill? And so in that, you know, just re realizing that really I have almost synchronologically like followed my mom's footsteps but I've been able to now pull back and go hey like that's not what I want this doesn't resonate with me I see the faults in how you have treated yourself and I don't want to end up there you know in the nicest way possible <laughs> yeah yeah we start to take our power back that's what I teach people is to take your power back you inherited the script and you're playing out scenes and roles in the movie of your life that you didn't choose, that you just inherited and believed, like, this is the way I have to be. And so taking your power back of being able to become the editor. Yes. And, and what, about, that what about our daddies? And how, how do our fathers come into the picture? Yeah. They... yeah. So dad, you know, the first time your husband held his daughter, it became real for him. Even though he saw you pregnant, he felt the kicks, he saw the, you know, like the heartbeat, the monogram, all that stuff. It does not become real for them until they hold you, right? Yeah, when they hold the baby, it becomes so real that like the endorphins kick in and they are like ecstasy times 100. There's just so much, they're just filled with the love that for you, yeah, you're filled that way too, but you've had nine months to build up in, in that, to let it grow in you. Has that been your experience? Because I haven't gone through it yet. Motherhood is my next chapter. Um, but yeah, what has your experience been like? Uh, like, does it feel that way that you're growing in love for this being that's developing in you? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no way you can grow something inside of you and not feel connected to it. But I can also say that with each pregnancy, there's so much more awareness with it. So with my last baby, I was really just so aware of what I was 
thinking and how my my emotions if they would like come over me because I can see in my two previous daughters uh their personalities are entirely different and they really emulate how I was when I was pregnant with them <laughs> oh really their emotions that's about oh I I totally believe that we transfer our emotions to our babies in vitro uh-huh. yeah. I really mm-hmm. do. And so I can see with my oldest, I had a lot of, um, I was in a very dark place in a dark relationship. And my, I was like this, I was just on this roller coaster of like up and down. And I see how she is as a teenager and even before that, but she's very, um, very emotional. <laughs> it's a roller coaster. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I did that to you. And I can't tell you how much I have in my own heart. And also to her express, like, I'm so sorry that I did that to you because I do notice the connection. And with, with my second one, I was always busy and I was really short tempered. And I can tell you <laughs> girl is busy and short tempered. <laughs> and so um, yeah, it's it's incredible that we can, you know, feel this this love for this thing we've never met, but we know so well. I, I knew like when I needed to move a little bit more, I would get a little jab, like, hey, that doesn't feel comfortable. And it's like, okay, I hear you, <laughs> you know. So it's um I mean, experiencing motherhood and pregnancy alone it just teaches you so much about yourself to a, a different degree. You really have to start paying attention to your body and what it's telling you. I mean, I wasn't an avid water drinker until I was pregnant. (laughs) That's sad. (laughs) Yeah. But my body told me, it's like, Hey, you're not giving me enough fuel. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So when she was born or when they were all born, yeah, you felt this rush of love, but you'd already been in love. And so for, for the father, it's a little different. It comes really gushing, rushing in, in that moment. And that's what your daughters felt when dad held them. They felt this like energy of love and they've never experienced that energy. They've experienced your energy. So it was the first time that they experienced something outside of them that felt vibrationally very high and very loving. And in that moment, that becomes their first experience of something outside of them, loving them. And they want to get back to that feeling all the time. That's why it's daddy's girl. They hold daddy on a pedestal. It's different. Dad represents the world. Dad represents everything that's not them. Others, love, their relationship to others. So they learn and look at dad for what's possible with others or what's possible in the world, what's possible in love. And so you are their safety and nurturance. That is their world and is love to them. Mm. Can you share what your relationship was to your father? And yeah, and how that made you transition into your adult life and decisions? Yeah, so um, my dad uh, worked as a controller of a hotel so his hours were like 6 a.m to sometimes 10 p.m and so I didn't see my dad that much in those early formative years I'm talking from like you know probably I think he got into that I mean he was always working 
So until, uh, yeah, I mean, still, I mean, still a workaholic now, but I would say formative years, meaning six years old and younger, when it's really important for us because we don't have logic yet. We don't understand yet dad's going to work. <laughs> we don't really get what that means. Like we do now, we just see it as love's not here for me. The world is not here for me. I don't matter. And so I saw my dad a bit on the weekends, but I didn't have as much time with him. Daddy, daughter dates, memories with him. And so, yeah, it felt more like love's not there for me. My world is not there. And so how does that understand yet? Yeah. How it played out in my life. Well, you know, first we create ways to survive it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm no stranger to that. (laughs) Yeah. And so it was like, well, I just want to be around daddy. So if dad's working, I'm just going to help dad. If dad is, I'm just going to be his little helper. Cause then I get to be around love, around the love of my life. Um, so working with dad, going to work with dad, when he started his own business, um, I used to help him at home. I'd staple the papers and file and do anything to just be around dad. Uh, it still wasn't quality time. It was because he was on the sidelines. So here I am now dating, and this is what love looks like. I learned this is what love looks like that men will put something else first, and you just have to wait and help them make their life easier, tend to them. And when I had this realization with my mentor, I just remember sinking into the couch as I thought about all my ex-boyfriends and the current boyfriend that I had then. And I could see the pattern. It was like, oh my God. And that's what we do is we look, we learn what the role looks like. And then we live our life filling that role. Repeating that. As long as you're alive, the movie must go on. Somebody needs to fit that role. Oh, it's mind-blowing to think about that because it just, something that we just think, oh, these are our parents. These are who we spend most of our time with or, you know, in an intimate space can have such an impact on your entire life if you never take that time to like zero in on that moment that you had of sinking into that couch and going, holy shit, (laughs) you know, like I can't. And you said you had a loving father. Now what happens when somebody doesn't have a loving father and it's also they're never around for me and also they never show me love and affection Yeah, they again, they learn that that's what love looks like. You see these women that date abusive men and then their next guy is abusive and next guy is abusive. And you're like, what? Like, and sometimes they break it. I'm not saying that, but you know, it's like, or you see people that don't take care of themselves. You know, they say like, like they're alcoholics. And then you look and see their dad was an alcoholic and their grandfather's an alcoholic. And it's not genetics. It's learned. It's a learned behavior. You learn this is how to cope with stress. 
numb out, have a, have a beer, have a glass of wine, right? So the awareness is just the first stage of healing it. The first stage of transformation is just awareness. So I sunk into the couch. <laughs> it wasn't enough. Yeah. Just because I sunk into the couch didn't mean like, oh, okay, I get it now. Right. The, you know, then came what I call stage two, which is acceptance, mm. uh, which is probably one of the hardest stages for people to accept the experience they're having. So if you're experiencing anxiety or fear, um, sadness, a lot of times we want to fix it. Absolutely. Yeah. We want it to go away. We don't want to feel this way. All of which is rejecting it, not accepting it. Right. Or just like trying to cover it up with a Band-Aid and saying, here, you're good to go now. Yeah. Yeah. Stuffing it down, avoiding it, numbing out. Or again, I think where a lot of people that are on the self-development journey gets get it quote unquote wrong is that they try and fix it. They're even doing self-development to fix it. And how do I, I just, I don't want to feel this way ever again, they'll say to me. And they'll be like, oh, no, no, no. You're actually going to learn to feel it. And whenever it comes up, to feel it. (laughs) And whenever it comes up, to feel it. So much so that it stops being this thing that is not a part of you. And it more becomes a part of you. And this is what this part feels like. And at times, this part wants your attention. Mm-hmm. So what signs or what are things that people can hear and say, oh, these are signs I'm struggling with my inner child right now? Like, what do you say to your inner child? Um, you know, like, there's so much there. I think a lot of the times when I'm struggling, I think about like, who is it that really wants this attention right now? Or who is it that needs to be right right now? And I'm usually little like seven-year-old me. I I usually go to eight, seven, eight. But I think that was when I was aware of things I wanted and didn't get, but I didn't know why. And it was never explained to me and it was never done in a nurturing way where I could understand that. So what are some, some like signs that you're struggling with your inner child? Hmm. Um, if you're struggling with your inner child, you're struggling with your emotions. You're, you're, uh, you're unable to feel certain things or allow yourself to be with certain feelings. Um, and sometimes those feelings aren't the quote unquote bad ones. It could be, I'm unable to access my joy. I don't know what I want. I don't want, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I'm just kind of coasting and surviving through life. Um, and I have these walls up. I just had a call with, with a, with a woman who's interested in my work. And these are the things she told me. And I said, yeah, so those walls that you have up, you know, who's on the other side of those walls, you know, who you've caged in your inner child. Yeah. And if you've caged your inner child in, then, okay, yeah, it's protecting you from feeling the things that you're afraid of, but it's also keeping you from feeling the things that you want. Right. You can't access the joy 
the infinite amount of real joy if you're not letting yourself feel the sorrow. There's no light without the dark. Right. Yeah. So, you got to pay to play. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's, and what is the, I, I heard you say the difference between using the word mother wound and father wound with the word uh, learning. So, so why do you think it's so important to change that wording on how we can? Yeah. Well, because there's definitely people that hear you say that, let's say, take a woman that has an incredible relationship with her mom. Mom's her best friend. And you say to her and you're, she hears like mother wound and she's like, oh, I don't have a mother wound. Mom and I are besties. Yeah. But you say to her, it's actually, it's not a mother wound. It's a mother learning. What learning did you, did your mom model to you that is limiting you? Mm -hmm. And then you start to see things. A lot of things. You're like, oh yeah, she's my best friend, but oh my God, I learned to, I learned to keep busy from her. And to like put others first and um, to sacrifice my needs for others' needs. Oh, do you see it? Yeah. So it's like the people pleasing, I think, is the biggest one I hear. And why is that one the most, it seems like across the board, we all struggle with that. Like, why do we have this really deep need of wanting people to like us and so why do we do what they want us to do even though we feel it like it yeah. just doesn't sit and I wouldn't say it's across the board it's a big majority I definitely know people that don't run the people pleasing my husband's one of them He's been I was a great say, model to meet one <laughs> <laughs> my husband is not a people pleaser at how, all how did it's that been happen? great <laughs> it's been great to have him model that to me Someone that can really like honor his, you know, his, his, himself and has really good boundaries and all of that stuff. So, um, so it's not everyone. It's really tied a lot to the five personality patterns. That's a book that if any of you listeners are interested, go get that book and talks about um, that. We all have patterns that we form depending on what we, how we were raised and what we got or didn't get. And that these patterns kick in when we're in overwhelm. So the patterns are leaving. And I don't mean leaving like leaving the room or leaving a relationship. It's more like leaving your body. Like it's too much to be in this earth plane. Uh, So you go into your imagination or, you know, you, you're just like not someone that's not present. A lot. It's like when you see in cartoons where they're talking and you hear the wah, 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 right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and that one got formed as early as like in utero to like the first three months. So imagine having a difficult labor or something happening in your last trimester that signals to the baby, like it's the world is not safe. And so that pattern gets formed as a way to find safety. All these patterns, there's nothing bad about them. They're all to create some level, come back to safety. Right. It's survivalism at that point. Yes, exactly. The 
Um, second pattern is the merging pattern. And the merging pattern forms anywhere from the first few months to the first few years. And that happens if the baby did not get the nurturing that it needed. Mm. And so, and I, this is one of my patterns. And so what it used to feel like, because you could heal the distortion of it and be more in the gifts. All of them have gifts as well. Like think about the leaving pattern. If you're living in your imagination, you are very creative. Me. Right. So it's a good place where you're going that you've created. It's not going to be. Yeah, there's there's gifts and shadows to all. So the merging pattern, if you didn't get the nurturing you needed, if you didn't get enough time with mom, or maybe you didn't even get enough like of the bottle, like enough food. Mm-hmm. I was a baby that always slept. Yeah. <laughs> like they went to the doctor and were like, our child doesn't wake up to eat. And they're like, consider yourself lucky. Well, maybe, or maybe I like needed it and didn't get what I needed. Right. Either way, (laughs) the pattern got formed. And what it felt like for most of my life was this hollowness in my chest. Hmm. This black hole that no matter how much I tried to fill it, it could never be filled. Mm -hmm. Because I mainly tried to fill it with, with others merging you get the word yeah. merge so so it's like those of us that are needy or clingy it's because mm-hmm. i'm not enough i'm i need from you to feel like i'm enough mm-hmm. and then there's the merging compensated which happens from let's say a uh a parent who couldn't take care of themselves very well. And so the child wants to be the same, like feels the need to rise up and help mom or dad who aren't able to take care of themselves and sacrifices themselves. So it's like the martyr. (laughs) And, And what happens there is it forms this belief of I'm enough when I'm of service to others. Oh, (laughs) wow. And so how it plays out now is like, yeah, being the martyr, being the people pleaser, being the one to sacrifice yourself and be like, you know, as long as I'm with them, I'm enough. So to go back to our original conversation of the people pleaser, I met if usually if you run the merging pattern, you you, you have this people pleaser. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so the way to heal that one, not that we're going to deep dive into all this, but <laughs> is really to learn to fill our own cup, learning mm-hmm. to give from a full cup, learning to set real- boundaries, learning to let go of the people pleaser. Because yeah. the gifts of the merging pattern is we're the lovers. We are the healers. Right. That's so hard to think about because I think especially as women, we're always taught to put people in front of our own needs. And depending on what kind of mom you had, you know, maybe mm-hmm. most likely it wasn't modeled. We still live in a very male dominated world. Unfortunately, I think, I think it's starting to equal out, but it's just amazing to think that that's something that like the merging, I, I almost wonder, is it possible to have the opposite of the merging? Because I find myself to be very, 
Like I do, I acknowledge I need someone, but I also reject. So like, I, I just wonder if I'm just like in conflict between the mother and the father roles. Really, I saw them reject each other and reject us and the way they treated each other. Yeah. So it could be that you run the out of patterns. So then there's the enduring pattern and the enduring pattern forms when you reach that age where um, you want to find your own, like you want to speak up for yourself. And if you had parents that were really strict and were like, no, this is the way it needs to be. No, you can't do this. No, you can't say this. Um, then they learn to endure. They learn to stuff it down. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's the aggressive pattern and the, and so again, there's gifts and all the, the enduring pattern are really grounded people <laughs> and there's other gifts I won't get into, but the aggressive pattern forms and the, the belief of someone that runs the aggressive pattern is it's me against the world. Mm. And that feels like a very um, almost pessimistic just like you're just looking for everything to make you mad or to throw you off. We talk off. You just about- feel like it's you against the world. Yeah. You don't trust others. Something happened where they broke your trust um, or you didn't feel safer or, and then there's the rigid pattern, which is like, there's a right and a wrong. And um if you were a lot of times it happens in, in later years, more like, I think like around like five years old or later. Um, if all your parents did was reward you for doing things right for, for your success, then you learn to the statement is like, I am my accomplishments. Yes. And so you learn to do things the right way in order to be rewarded. So so all so anyhow, these all kick in when you're in overwhelm. So if you get into a fight or you're having a really stressed day, your primary will kick in, your primary pattern. And when your primary pattern doesn't work, your secondary will kick in. And so some people, they hear this and they're like, I have all five. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I like check them all off. <laughs> yeah. So there's ones that you learned behaviorally. So let's say mom was aggressive and rigid. You learned these as a behavior, but yours, but in, in overwhelm, that's not what's going to kick in. It's going to be the next In overwhelm, your patterns, your prime, your safety mechanisms will kick in. Mm Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, my mom is rigid, aggressive, rigid or rigid, aggressive. And so I have some of those as behavioral patterns. Like I can, I can access that way of being, but in overwhelm, it's merging, leaving for me. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. It's like, now I need to go and get that book and do a deep dive on myself. Is that similar to like knowing our attachment styles in relationship? I don't know if the word similar is right, but it's definitely going to give you a great lens of understanding yourself and understanding the people in your life, like your partner. So my husband, my husband is rigid. It runs the rigid and the aggressive pattern. And when we were heading to Greece for our wedding, we had a hell of a flight. 
<laughs> so stressful, almost missed our flight. Everything could have gone wrong. And so we finally arrive. We finally get the rental car. We're in the car. We haven't eaten in hours. We haven't slept well. And he's just like, rah, 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 so short with me. You could go sleep with your parents tonight. Their hotel room, like really mean things that if I didn't know this, I would have gotten really hurt, really upset. Instead, instead, I sat there and I said to myself, Anat, he is so stressed, so overwhelmed right now from the day. He's just in pattern. That's all it is. He just needs, he just needs some time to downregulate. Um, so I'm going to give him that space. And that's it. So it's very helpful in that way. It's beautiful to think that you can look at that and then have the emotion of like, if this was what I would have gone to, if, if I didn't know this, then it would, it would blow everything up. And that brings me to like emotions and how we move through them, you know, like, do you acknowledge them? Are they outbursts? Like how, what is it like? How, I know you have a number. I, I think I saw 90 seconds that emotions move through us in 90 seconds. Can you explain that? Yeah. So they did a Harvard study on this that, yeah, emotions come in like 90 second waves. When you really give yourself permission to ride the wave, right. a lot of times we may say, no, 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 no. This anxiety has been here for days and weeks. What are you talking about? How can it be 90 seconds? I'm like, yeah, because you've been resisting that anxiety. You've been trying to fix that anxiety. You've been in your head about it. You haven't actually connected to that. See, emotions are just energy in motion. Underneath the label that we give it of, um, uh, you know, anxious, angry, sad, scared, underneath the label is what? It's just sensation. Right. Somewhere in your body. And so if you can learn to observe it at the level of sensation mm -hmm. and what that looks like is like naming first, identifying first. Yeah. Where, where in your body do you feel it? I feel it in my chest. Does it have a size? Does it have a shape? Does it have a texture? Does it have a color? And just getting as related and granular with it as possible. And realizing that there's nothing to fix, nothing to change about it. It's like a piece of a puzzle. You are a puzzle. And at times, certain emotions are going to get triggered. Sometimes those emotions are great, like happy, horny. Yes, please. Laughter. Right? We don't try and stop those. And at times, we're going to feel afraid or sad or scared or annoyed. And all that's happening is that piece is popping out of place and it just wants your attention. And so by you naming it, being with it in as many ways as possible, sensations are the language of the nervous system. So when we can relate to ourselves at the level of sensations and really feel and name those sensations, then what we're doing is we're speaking to our nervous system and our nervous system then is able to process it, digest it, and bring us back into homeostasis from that fight or flight response or that freeze or fawn response. 
all this that you're describing, is that what somatics is? Because I know you um, do somatic healing. Right? Is this considered somatic healing? Well, what does somatic really mean? Does that mean in in the body? Well, yeah, in the body, wisdom of the body. Exactly. Sometimes people describe it as as the wholeness of who we are. And so I like that because, again, I think of myself as a puzzle and these are all parts of me. And there's no fixing or getting rid of them. It's accepting. Like if I, yeah. So think about exactly. Think about the moment your your first daughter was born. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the moment that your husband got down on his knees and asked you to marry him. Mm-hmm. What do you feel? When I say that, oh, I get this like tingly feeling right in like my solar plexus. Yeah. So that memory just popped that piece for you. Mm. Yeah. And then at times something else is going to happen. That's going to trigger something else for us. You know, you're in the car, maybe God forbid you've been in a car accident before. Right. And then you get in the car and every time someone like honks their horn or what, like your nervous system is like your nervous system comes up because that piece is popping. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So all yeah. So it's not our job to fix them. Because imagine a puzzle, like building a puzzle. I did this with my nieces a month ago. So much fun. It was like a five hundred piece puzzle. Imagine being like, no, 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 I don't like I don't like this piece let's draw on it. Let's change it. It'd be like, it's not, it's not going to work. It's, it's not going to work then. And so that's where we complicate ourselves. We complicate the fact that um, it's, we're really simple. All we need to learn is it, this is the learning to love yourself, right? What is it to love yourself? It's to love all parts of you. What are these parts? They are all of it. They are the full spectrum the full spectrum of emotions we don't you know we don't we don't judge it when we're babies it, it'd be weird if your baby girl didn't cry for three days would you be concerned absolutely <laughs> you would absolutely but, but but suddenly when we cry as adults oh my god how do I fix this how do I make this stop or even with those babies you know sometimes we're like we make it wrong. And so really normalizing our emotions as just the waves. It's like the waves of the ocean. If an ocean was always calm, always, always, always still like, right. The ocean, I'm not talking about a lake, the ocean. We'd be like, what is going on? Mother nature. It would feel extremely quiet. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes those waves are really big and sometimes they're small and sometimes they're pleasant and sometimes they're, they're pretty rough and cold. And this is what it is to be human. This is what I've felt before. Just like have needing to have these moments of peaks and lows because, uh, I have a friend that was in a relationship for quite some years and all of a sudden, all of a sudden the relationship ended by his partner and he was like, I don't get it. I, we never fought. And, and so in his eyes, that was a good thing. And and I was like, 
you never fought? <laughs> like how? When somebody how? was keeping secrets. Somebody was staying really quiet and that's not good. So it's like learning to make enough noise that you can have these uncomfortable conversations, you know, and that just, but that takes us a, a level of courage too, from the person willing to be, you know, speaking up about what is triggering and what is, and you may not even know I've been in therapy since like July and I have learned so much about myself. It's been this incredible journey of like realizing. And now I like, I'm finding myself having these really vulnerable conversations I've never had before with my husband and it feels really scary at first. And it's like, as soon as I say it, it's like a weight's been lifted off. Like, how have I been holding this in for so long? You know, so it's just incredible to think that we could get to a place where we can look at our lives and our patterns and our parents and also separate ourselves from that and say, I recognize that they did the best they could. And then moving past it, I, um, I did ayahuasca. It's not their job. Yeah, I, I did ayahuasca in October. And that was like a huge part of my my journey was really just accepting and accepting my parents for who they are and loving them no matter what. But also knowing that that doesn't mean I need to be directly involved in their lives to that extent, right? So it's like, I love you, but there's boundaries now. Yep, exactly. Yeah, learning, learning to parent ourselves. So I don't know if I answered the question of the 90 seconds so well. So I want to like circle back to that. Um, yeah, so it come in waves. And then when we learn to be with it at the level of sensation, and uh, I did this with a client the other day, she was feeling the sensation move from her chest to her throat. And she goes, it's in my throat. And then she swallowed. And I go, no, 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 don't swallow it down. Marry the energy, like really like, uh, uh, like feel the sensations that are in there. She started to cry. She accessed what she was swallowing down. Um, and again, if you allow yourself to have that cry, like when my clients cry or they're angry or they're scared, I just, I just cheerlead them on. I'm like, yep, yeah, feel it. Yeah, it's totally okay. It's totally valid to feel this way. Yep, feel it. Yep. And it's about 90 seconds and they're good. And it, I say it comes in waves because you want to think of like grief, right? If we go through a breakup or... Uh, or death. It's not, it's not like, oh, 192nd and you're good. You'll notice it comes up, but it comes in waves. It's just like you think of that person or, you know, maybe you, you lost your pet or something or a breakup, it comes up. And if you again can allow yourself and acknowledge this part and say, yeah, I am feeling this way, validate it, allow yourself, hold yourself in that experience, allow yourself to feel it. I've actually been experiencing this. I think that word grief has just been so big in the last few months because I've had to make these tough decisions with, you know, with family. And it's like with my therapist and I, we're always talking about this. It comes back to like, I, there are days where I, I'm okay. And it, weeks even. And then there, there's like one day where something will come up and I, I just really allow myself now to go, I'm just really hurting today on that. You know, it's like this, 
I allow myself to cry now. And when you were talking about that lump in your throat, it reminded me of when I was five years old, when the Lion King came out. <laughs> okay. I, that was the first movie I can remember feeling that lump in my throat. And we were sitting, laying on the ground with all my siblings and my parents were there. And I remember saying, me duele la garganta, which means my throat hurts, you know, like, but I, nobody told me that, that like, I was holding down this, this, this emotion because I didn't feel safe enough to cry at five when his daddy died. And it was like, you know, like that is it's so big to think about. Cause I watch my daughters move in and out of crying for no reason or what I think is no reason. And I'm like, Oh, you really just want that straw. Okay. Here, here, you know, it's like, but there's that safety where they recognize that they're, they're allowed and not allowed to, to express certain emotions. Yeah, the best thing you could do with a child, and I've seen my sister because I've taught her this, doing this with my nephew is, you know, when they get upset about something, just come close to them, put your hand on their back. So you're creating that like extra like safety for them and just say, it's okay. You're safe. I'm here. And she says, he'll literally like cry it out for about 90 seconds. And then he'll be like, Kate, let's go play. And they forget about it. And that's what's available for us as well. You know, so much of us want to access our joy or our passions or happiness. And we're not happy. And it's not that you're that you're and that could lead to feeling depressed if you stuff it down long enough. But it's not that you need medication or you need external things to cheer you up. You need to just acknowledge this part. And as soon as you do and you release it, that's your access. Just think of it like a child. Those of you that are parents, especially when you've been out with your kid and you're in public and you're like, not right now. Do not have this fit right now. We are in whatever. We're in the library or some, we're in the restaurant. We're in the store. Like, do not make a scene. And you force them to hold it in. A lot of times then what happens is they have a meltdown later because they're not used to holding it in, suppressing it. So it'll build up so much more that they'll just have a meltdown later. Now, again, if you let them have their experience and move through it without judgment, and not only without judgment, but with extra love, cheerleadership, and compassion and safety for it, they'll move through it quickly and they will forget about it 90 seconds later. And you'll see that they'll want to go play. Yeah. They'll want to go be creative. So your access to your heart, your access to your creativity, to your joy is through the dark moments is through feeling whatever it is you don't want to feel. And that's so important to remember. I think we all get so stuck in that word fear and the fear, the fear of the unknown, right? It's like, we'll stay in our patterns that are safe, safe, quote unquote. But really, what are we saving ourselves from? We're really robbing ourselves from experiencing life to its fullest and every like, just learning. I think there's something to learn every single day. And it's, encouraging to hear all this because uh like going on this deep dive of myself i'm accessing 
emotions I didn't know I had and relieving so much that I've suppressed over, over my life, you know, things that didn't serve me. I'm finding myself just really accepting them and, um, moving through it instead of holding it down. Yeah. Yeah. And creating new, new possibilities for yourself. And then, realizing, wow, I can create who I want to be. I'm not limited to what I learned. And that's the gift. And that's the beauty of it. How helpful do you think plant medicine is in this journey? Yeah, so it's a great question. You know, I, I did plant medicine before I met my mentor. And I loved the experience. Um, but I still found that I was, I, let me back, backtrack and say the first time I did ayahuasca was uh, about 10 years ago. And it was my first experience of being in my body of somatics of feeling my feelings. Cause I came from years of just trimming the weeds, mindset work, um, telling myself other stories, but not actually feeling it. Uh, being completely disconnected from my body. So it was great to experience that. And I grieved a lot and I cried a lot and I purged a lot and um, had, grieved a lot about my dad not being there for me as a little girl. But what was missing for me with it was the awareness of, of, what I was clearing, like I, okay, I'm crying, I'm feeling all the feelings, but it didn't, it didn't have the body mind connection for me. So here I am grieving, feeling all the feelings around daddy. And there I was six months later, attracting the same type of man again. Mm -hmm. So the integration wasn't there. The integration wasn't there. And the understanding my own landscape. So I think plant medicine is a powerful tool in the healer's tool belt. And the healer is you. Most people approach plant medicine as the healer. This is going to heal me. And they're giving their power away. And they end up doing ayahuasca a hundred times. I met people like that. And it was wild to me after the, after the third day, I was like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> and, and, and not to say now that I've had time to process and integrate, I'm not going to say never. I'm just going to say when it calls me again, I will gladly go. But until then, yeah. I don't see why. But that's I'm what I'm saying. They can use it. So it, it could be, if you're using it as your healer, you need to stop and you need to discover yourself and your abilities. I've had clients come to me, do my retreat and have experiences through my method, which has no plant medicine in it and say to me, this is ayahuasca without the ayahuasca. Like how am I having the same experiences that I've had on ayahuasca with your work? And I say to them, because ayahuasca is not the medicine you are. It's just a tool. And um, 
it's such a gift when you can discover yourself and your body's ability mm-hmm. to heal itself. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful reminder. Yeah, getting back into. Oh, hold on one second. I just... Okay, where oh. were we? <laughs> where were yeah, we? We're talking about plant medicine. So I think it's so valuable for people to discover themselves. Um, and that was my journey because I had plant medicine before. And then I was like, why am I, I did all this. I purged all this. Why am I still attracting the same person? Because I wasn't aware of what I was clearing. So, you know, when I talk about my five stages of healing, stage one is awareness, stage two is acceptance, stage three is getting to the root of it, which could be feeling it or, you know, connecting. It is, it's about getting to the feeling. Um, And so all of that part could happen in ayahuasca. But if you don't know what you're clearing, then you don't get to stage four and stage five, which is replacing and integrating. So here you're doing all this clearing, 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 clearing. But then I didn't know for me, for example, yeah, I cried, I grieved. I felt the sadness of my little girl not having daddy around. Like there's so much sadness to to, to feel around that. Um, but the beliefs of, I don't matter. Men are, uh, men will always put something else first. And my pattern of, you know, be a people pleaser, support them so that you could win their love that I wasn't aware of that. I didn't know through plant medicine. So I just went back in the world and reinforced the same behaviors. The behavior didn't change. The energy moved, but the behavior didn't change. So then I just reinforced the old. So that's the pattern. Now, once you understand your landscape, right? Once you know and you've gotten to know the script of your life of like, Here's what I learned from mom. Here's what I learned from dad. Ooh, mom modeled this for me, dad, this, all this stuff. And then, and and you can clear a lot of that without plant medicine using my method. But you're curious or mother Aya calls to you, as he said, she calls again. And so you answer the calling and then it's a tool. It's access to someplace in your unconscious that, you couldn't get to or see um, without the medicine, without the plant. But you have all this awareness and all these other tools. So you can be in that experience and be in the unconscious, but conscious in the unconscious. You have awareness and you're bringing that to where there is unconsciousness. And so I've done that too. I've done plant medicine experiences since. So then what happens is you know better how to work with the medicine. Again, you become the healer. You know yourself as a healer. So now you're like, oh, this is just a tool. Okay, yeah, I know how to integrate and use this tool. Yeah. And so you're so I'm I'm an I'm a fan of plant medicine one as a tool not as the healer 
you first have to know yourself as the healer. You have to know your landscape. You have to have some tools that you can access these things without the plant. Then if you're called to use the plants, access whatever's there, have a bigger release, and then know how to integrate it. Yeah, that's so important because I I say on our podcast, like I don't know how people do plant medicine without being in therapy or having some sort of framework to do this with because I I would have com- been completely lost in the integration process had I not had somebody coming alongside with me and guiding me on what I what I experienced when I was in in my in my journey and also like now what I'm like how I'm putting these puzzle pieces together like you know tying back that puzzle it I don't know how people do it and I I can see why it becomes a negative thing also like now you're just using that to escape and it's not a good thing and so yeah just understanding like that these things are like you said tools but not abusing them either and they're not to be abused and I don't know why anyone would want to do this recreationally because it's a it's a it's a hard ride (laughs) yeah again it becomes it becomes an addiction becomes another form of escape that unfortunately now is being normalized um and yeah just the next thing that we get to bring awareness to is just because it's being normalized doesn't mean that it can't be abused Exactly. No, that's so important to remember too. And um, I had a, I was scrolling through your Instagram and I came across one of your quotes that just really reminded me so much of, of Thich Nhat Hanh and his no mud, no lotus concept. But it was um, when you feel like you're being buried, remember you're actually being planted. And it's just like that just really it hit me because I think about all the really hard times in my life that I thought were really those moments where you're like, I just could die here. Like I, you know, have been some of the biggest catalysts for a new direction in my life. Yeah. You are basically pointing at the past 12 months of my life. Like I said, aside from the month of June, when I got married and went on my honeymoon, the rest of 2022, I felt buried. I felt buried, and uh, it was it it wasn't easy. Um, it was very challenging at moments, and I'm grateful that I have the tools. And it I wouldn't have it any other way because it was such a catalyst. I released so many old ways of being. Um, the people pleaser for sure. And this is mainly like in my business that it affected, um, you know, I let go of people on my team that I thought I needed or just uh, people that were just taking advantage. And so I broke so many patterns. Unfortunately, it came in a painful way, Um, but it's also led me to so much clarity and I'm so happy to be where I am today. And there's no way that I'd be here today if I didn't go through that. So it is so important to remember. um, And, uh, you know, for those of you listening, if you're in that moment, if you're in that time right now, where you feel like you're being buried, um, this is a time to reach out, 
ask for support. You deserve to be supported. You can be supported through this. Um, it's also time to practice gratitude, just even for the little things. Like where can you be grateful for another day to be able to walk, to be able to eat, to be able to breathe, to be able to see the beauty of the world, right? Because some people don't have eyes, don't have their health, don't have legs. So it's like, where can we find the little things to even any little thing to say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, and practice gratitude. And then lastly, you know, to, to ask yourself, like, what, what am I here to learn from this? Like, where can I grow from this experience? And that it's not always going to be this way. I promise you it won't if you can take it in and accept it as it is. And then for those that feel like they are riding the high right now and life is clicking and amazing and you're just so grateful, be generous. This is a time to be generous because you have it to give. So see who you can reach out to and support because your cup is an overflow. So be generous, be humble because it's not always going to be this because the world's going to humble you. I was like on the highest of high three years ago. And it's so important to stay humble in those moments, humble, generous, and grateful as well. Just be grateful for those moments. So, but that, this is the human experience. Um, and we get to learn to ride the waves, whether they are pleasant waves or scary waves. The better you get at riding the waves, um, the more you'll be able to be at come back to shore. And our shore is really like our safety, our home, our heart, our love and the things that really matter. I love that so much. Thank you so much for offering that to our listeners. I hope everyone just like listens to this episode a few times because I think there's so much wisdom in all that you're sharing in your programs. And speaking of, I want you to give all your info on where people can find you and uh, what programs you offer. I know that you have now, I think you've added a sacred sexuality to your to your so <laughs> okay so part of my you know challenge in the past year and exploration in the past year was adding more things thinking that's what I wanted and here's where I am today on the other side of a really challenging year is simplicity so I've canceled that women's sexuality retreat I'm not doing it. Maybe one day I'll do it in the future. I am simplifying my business. I'm looking, I'm hosting my last retreat in June in San Diego, June 7th to the 11th. If anybody feels called, this is the one to be at. Okay. So give um, all the info. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's my soul liberation retreat. So it's really an opportunity for you to be held through whatever your deepest challenges and fears are and uh, emerge on the other side and discover who you're stepping into being and be surrounded in a community that becomes your soul family, becomes people that will hold you to your 
that to that next version that you're stepping into. We have a lot of fun there too. So Amazing. you can check it out on my website, trainingcampforthesoul.com. But that retreat is in two months, two and a half. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. And then I'm just uh, shifting my business to focusing on developing other other coaches and healers that may be looking for deeper healing themselves or to learn from me, my methodology. I've been running my facilitator training now for three years, and I'm very proud of the master coaches that have come out of that and what they're doing now in the world. And so I'm, I'm pivoting to um, teaching them my method and through them, the world will be served. Passing on. And so passing on the wisdom and the teachings and retiring myself as the one that coaches individuals. But if you're hearing this and you are called to learn more about my work, it's still there. It's still available. And I have great facilitators that I can, that you can choose from and work with. But uh, that's the shift I'm making and I'm making it um, so that I can make room for the next chapter of my life, which is motherhood. Because ah. as you've heard in this podcast, it's so important that as a, a parent that I can really be present and be there for my little ones. Yes. Um, and, uh, this baby, <laughs> this business has been my baby and it's almost eight years old and it's just time. It's time for that baby to go off to school and let other people teach it so that I could truly have space, um, to start my family. But, you know, as you say it, your face just lights up, which is just amazing to see that that's. Yeah, you know, I've been wanting this for a while, but it's been an inquiry of how do I do this and still have and, and not abandon my first child, my business. Mm, yeah. So it's been a real, again, discovery in the past year of um, what does that pivot look like? What is that shift where I still get to make the impact that I want to make in humanity? Because this work is so important is what my clients say to me. And I want there to be an end to generational trauma i want us to be able to play and be creative and be our highest best self and for me the more coaches and healers i train with this method oh i actually there's there'll be a lot more impact that way you'll, than you'll be happy that your baby's growing up in a world with people affected by your work because <laughs> i can tell you it's a ripple effect and i mean even when i heard you on that first podcast it was mind-blowing and that really was the thing that opened me up into just looking at my own my own childhood and it was like i think i reached out to you i think it like right after i heard it and i was so blown away so that's you've been a huge catalyst in me really like diving deep into understanding myself on a different level so thank you so much I don't think you you're so welcome it's such a gift you're you're a gift to the world then the more people are in their light the more you are a model to others that they too can face their darkness and step into their light that they can have the life that they want and you know, your daughters, I know you've been apologizing to them. They're still looking at you for what's possible. And the more they see you find your joy, um, feel your feelings, set those boundaries, step into your courage, your purpose, your power, they're watching you and saying, okay, 
uh, mom can do this. I can do this. Doesn't matter how old they are. Absolutely. I mean, look at us now. I was just talking to one of my clients. Her her father is seventy or eighty years old, just and he just quit drinking, and he's been sober for weeks. And I said to her, seeing your dad do that doesn't that make something new possible for you even? So we're always looking at our parents for what's possible. And then when we become parents, we get to always know that like we're always, and yes, you have the most influence and impact on them in the first seven years of their life. But even after that, they're still looking at what's possible. So I, I, I celebrate you for um for doing for doing the deep work and for wanting to become the best version of yourself absolutely and i couldn't do it without people like you so thank you yeah thanks yesenia thank you listeners for tuning in yes and i have one final question i like to ask people is uh what would be your advice on how to live your most unfiltered life get better at feeling if you want to feel better get better at feeling let have you know be unapologetically you oh i love that you know my husband sees me sometimes crying because i'm a leaker i cry i'll just say yeah i'm just feeling my feelings what's wrong nothing i'm just moving energy i say to him it's just what i'm feeling there's no explanation there's no apology just be you whatever comes up in the moment let it be just like just like babies do one second they're crying the next second they're laughing the next second they're running right <laughs> so let's get all back to connecting to our inner child and let that child really shine i love that thank you so much not for being our guest today on life lemonade unfiltered and i'll keep you updated on all this because i can't wait to see what happens. Yeah. And for those of you that want to connect with me, I'm pretty active on Instagram. I message all new followers. That's how Yesenia and I connected. I think it was like, I think I was in Maui visiting my brother when you and I connected and had our call. But yeah, I think it was, it was through that. Um, so you can always follow me. I message all new followers. I want to really get to know you. And um, yeah, and then training camp for the soul is my website. Thank you so much, Anat. I will talk to you soon. Have a wonderful night. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Thanks, listeners. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.